When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Tyler Fornis, Thor Nystrom here. A couple of draft-loving, football-loving nerds here to talk about uh, the Vikings draft classes, looking ahead at the Vikings season, looking at second-year players. Kind of an overall draft development show, if you will. Every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. It's Purple Daily on Draft. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. We've been rocking this for what now, boys? Like a couple months now. Uh, we're two months in. We're like less also than two two months away from the NFL season starting too. So we'll have kind of new elements, some new benchmarks to talk about uh, once the season starts as well. Uh, but training camp, what are we like? 10 days, 11, 12 days away from the Vikings' first uh, training camp practice at TCO. So finally this this like awkward offseason, like it's really only in, I feel like, fellas, like late June, 4th of July, where it's like there really is like kind of fewer and far things to talk about. There's not like pressing headlines, I should say. Uh, but we're like we're making our way through this dwell of the offseason. So I figured that I would throw this question at both of you, and I'm going to see uh, if your guys' lists overlap. I'm guessing it will be. And uh, we're going to ask these two guys who have the most to prove in rookies and second-year players at Vikings training camp. Uh, and, of course, we'll get some listener feedback in as well. And if you want anything answered that's on top of mind right now as you're listening or watching the show, hit us up on the YouTube comment section or on the Score North app. Or you can even tweet at all of us. Uh, Tyler's at the Real Forno. Thor is at, at ThorKU. Uh, I'm at Dex's Tweet. So if you want anything answered on a future episode, please go ahead and do so. Boys, I'm actually going to hit you with the football music, too. May as well. We get you oh, getting the football music here. A little NFL beds, a little NFL The ambiance. God, it's great. Um, I used to play, like, my first ever football game outside of Blitz was Game Day 2000, I believe, with uh, Terrell Davis on the cover. That was, the, that was my, I got a PS1 kind of a little bit later in life, and we had Game mm-hmm. Day 2000. That also had some great NFL films ambiance in that as well. One of my all-time favorite video games ever. Um, so let's get into it here. Uh, Forno, I'm going to start with you. Give me three to five players. These guys can be rookies. They can be second-year players. And you know what? I'll maybe throw in some minor wrinkle here, if you will. UDFA is qualified, too. Any UDFA can also qualify on this list. Who are three to five players that you think have the most to prove at Vikings training camp? And and actually, I want you to just give me one at a time right now, Fornell. So give me one guy, and then Thor, I'll go to you for one guy, and we'll kind of bat that back around if that works for you, too. Absolutely. Uh, number one for me is Ed Ingram. Uh, you take a look at what he did last year. He was able to start every single game. I believe he played every single snap except for five. 
And that's really key in his development. And if we see him take another step, you can credit Kevin O'Connell and this coaching staff for just having the faith to stick it out. He struggled a lot. He had the most pressures by far of anybody in the league, allowing 63 pressures uh, on 1,225 total snaps. That's awful. It's really bad. But when you take a look at why he was allowing pressure, it's all stuff that can be fixed. It's technique. He's oversetting. So the the general concept of oversetting is if you have a guy in front of you, you overcommit to one side. And if you overcommit to that one side, they can take advantage of you on, on the other side. So he likes to overset a lot to his right. So when he does that, he kick steps and he's just got all of his leverage leaning over. And if you remember the preseason game against the 49ers, Javon Kinlaw basically just did the loop and got a sack really easy. Those kind of things are why he struggled a lot. He does not struggle once he engages contact. He's got a lot of power, a lot of grip strength in those hands. He needs to figure out that technique. He needs to be more comfortable in what he's doing. And by doing so, he's going to show improvement. How much improvement is the biggest question? They decided to go with a more strong anchor-based offensive lineman instead of like the quick guy who has some of those anchor issues that they've done in the past. It's an interesting approach, considering, especially considering now they're going to be doing a lot more wide zone, in theory, with the 12 personnel. But Ingram was able to work through a lot of those mistakes. I relate it to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is rookie season through an NFL record. I think it was 27 or 28 interceptions. Well, the next year they won 13 and three and he was an MVP candidate. You allow some of these guys to work out their mistakes, understand they're going to struggle. Now he has an entire offseason to look back on the film, work with the guys next to him, Garrett Bradbury, Brian O'Neill, and fix those issues. Those issues are easy. It's not like, hey, you need to be able to squat an extra hundred pounds with your lower half so you can anchor. No, it's all technique. It's all understanding where you need to be how you need to overcompensate. And because he doesn't have the same quickness as those other guys, when he oversets, it's a much bigger issue than somebody like Garrett Bradbury or Brian O'Neill because they're such high upside athletes where Ingram is above average. Not having that elite level athleticism for the position will hurt him when he oversets. And I'm, if he really takes a step, this interior of the offensive line could be significantly better and that will only help the offense. With Ed Ingram, I was a little surprised they elected to run this offensive line back without some type of like addition, whether that was someone to push someone. I know like Chris Reed, you know, they brought in a little bit uh, later in the offseason last year. I was a little surprised they're just basically electing to run this entire offensive line back. The two tackles, totally solid. They obviously re-signed Garrett Bradbury, but they basically are going to just say, hey, we're going to run back this whole offensive line room, even the backups and whatnot. So it's a little bit of a risky bet by them, but if to your point, Forno, I mean, if if if... Ed Ingram takes the significant step forward, um, then the line should be drastically improved, especially on the interior. After watching Quarterback, the documentary on Netflix featuring Kirk, uh, that mm-hmm. interior line just reminded all of us of, man, those tackles are solid. That interior offensive line was pretty leaky, especially uh, towards the second half of the season. Uh, I don't really have an issue with it, Dex, for two reasons. One, they're not doing an install of the offense, and two, continuity matters. Having the same guys next to you year after year for chemistry purposes makes a massive difference. Thor, how about you, man? Uh, Ed Ingram was the first guy off this board here. Is there any other rookie second-year player UDFA that you're looking at to make some significant noise at training camp this year? Well, I, I don't know if I'd say significant noise, but we have to toss, toss out Louis Seen. He, he's, he's the obvious one. Everyone's going to be looking for Louis Seen. We're going to be looking for news on Louis Seen. 
what are, what are we going to get from Luis? And now we're what ten months out from the compound fracture to his leg. Is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? What are we going to get from Luis Seen? Luis Seen was great in college. His last at Georgia comes out in in the the pre draft process. 98th percentile broad jump, 99th percentile 4.3740. His both of his splits were 99th percentile. Was obviously a freak athlete. He was a number eight. Uh, uh, he had the number eight uh, RAS score. Out of 846 uh, safeties that had tested since 1987 in the RAS system. So you had the, the freak athlete. He was a feared safety coming downhill in the SEC, the hitman coming out of center field in that, that Georgia defense. The one question we had about him was the instincts. He couldn't play with his back to the ball. It was the thing that was great about him, it was coming downhill, crashing downhill, and everything like that. You didn't want him playing with his back to the ball, obviously, stuff like that. And it was it was the instincts thing, like I mentioned. That was something that they were working out with him his rookie year. He obviously only got on the field for two defensive snaps. He was on a milk carton uh in, in terms of the defensive snaps there. Are we gonna see him any four defensive snaps this coming season? What are we going to see with him in training camp? Is there going to be any progress with that? And and then coming off of the injury, he obviously had that enormous injury with with the leg fracture there, the the, the compound fracture. There's an enormous injury, so we'll have to see what we get there. But that is is the big thing that we're looking for uh, with Louis Seen. Uh, big questions there. I like that. In fact, we actually have a listener comment. I'm gonna I'll just throw it in here right now because it's a good segue. Uh, Lost Wolf 95 says, "Will the Vikings go with three safeties, commonly using some of them more like linebackers?" Uh, Forno, do you see a situation where there's actually some three safeties in Harrison Smith, Josh Metellus, Lewis Seen, Cam Bynum? Is there a combination in there where there's sometimes actually three safeties on the field in Brian Flores' defense? Absolutely. They, they showed it in, in mandatory minicamp by having Metellus in that three safety package. The interesting thing about this group of safeties, you have Metellus who can be more of a rover, like a linebacker. Cam Bynum played outside corner his entire career at Cal, and I believe he would be capable enough in the slot. You have Lewis seen, and the idea of him was to use him uh, almost like what Javon Holland was in Miami. You could put him in the slot, you could have him over the top, and he could be a missile running downhill, like especially with like safety blitzes. He could take over for Harrison Smith. And now you have Jay Ward, who's a jack-of-all-trades kind of player, having over 150 snaps at outside corner star, which is that slot corner, deep safety, and in the box. That guy can do a little bit of everything. With the questions that the Vikings currently have at the cornerback position, if you have dime packages, I would be floored if at least like 30% of those weren't with with those three safety looks because you can do a lot of different things. And Harrison Smith is your Swiss Army Knight. Mike Zimmer maximized him by letting him do basically whatever the hell he wanted. He sees something, oh, completely ignore what your coverage responsibilities were. And he just zoom in and be able to get tackles for loss and sacks. That's what I think we're going to see a lot from this Vikings defense this year. And it's going to be a lot more fun. Yeah, and and the thing that I would say about that, with seeing, I want him only doing the downhill attacking thing. He did play 118 uh, snaps out of the slot his last season in Georgia. I don't want to see him in the slot, though. I do like Forno's idea of potentially buying him in the slot. A couple of those guys can do that. Certainly, Jay Ward can play in the slot. We saw a lot of him uh, at LSU out of the slot. Um, Some of those guys, you can do the the pre-delineated stuff like that. You have some of the Swiss Army knife stuff with some of these different guys, but with Seen, let's get him to do the one thing that we know he's good at, coming downhill from the deep center field stuff first, 
you know, when, when we're getting him to, to, to coming back off that injury, let, let's find the one thing he can do good first. I, I'm concerned about him again with, with the back to the ball kind of stuff. That stuff is the concern with him. But when he's flying downhill attacking, that's the stuff that he is really, really good at. And as an extra linebacker, I think Louis Seeing, we talked about this before. One thing you can unlock with him, sending him as a blitzer from different spots in the alignment. I think that's one thing they could have a lot of fun with with Louis Seen at. That's one thing at Georgia that I didn't think they did enough with him, uh, with him, uh, you know, with that stuff as a blitzer because they didn't need to, right? Like the Georgia system, they just don't send guys as much with that because mm-hmm. their defensive line was so good. Let's see a little bit more of that kind of stuff. And we've talked about that before, Thor. They just ask guys to play a role. They don't really necessarily develop the full package, which is why they're so interesting coming out. They ask guys to do one thing. Trevon Walker, first overall pick. Correct. All the athleticism in the world. They asked him to basically Occupy. be a five tech. He yeah. didn't have any kind of pass rush like technique or anything. He had just massive upside. And then you saw him in Jacksonville and he flashed that upside even more so than you saw at Georgia. So Correct. the idea of seeing right now is much better than what we currently have. But the idea of what he can be is through the roof. And in this kind of league where you need that speed and quickness and that aggressive mentality, I'm that he was the guy who knocked Kyle Pitts out with the concussion. A lot yes. of people don't remember that. that one was, of the nastiest hits you'll ever see in college football, like something they're trying to outlaw. But yeah, if people haven't seen that hit, go and check that hit out. Louis seen was feared in the SEC, mm-hmm. one of the most feared safeties, I would say, of the last 20 years, like a legitimate Ronnie Lott-type presence where guys were afraid to go over the middle with Louis Seen prowling back there. That's something mm-hmm. that the Vikings defense is looking for. You want guys to be afraid coming over the middle. That's the kind of presence he could be. That's what you're looking for, and that's why they drafted him, right? Like that's the kind mm-hmm. of guy that you want back there. If he reaches that potential, and and hopefully that's what 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 you get out of him. Obviously, you're gonna have to watch some of that. You don't want him going over the top like he he did on that particular play, but that's sort of what he brings to your defense. Major Steve Atwater vibes for me. If you yes. remember Super Bowl thirty one, he knocked out two players and then himself with a hit on that third down of the Packers last drive. Just like I love that kind of football. We need to get rid of it for safety reasons, but oh. Give it to me. I, I, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, also, also hit you with the football sounder, no problem. Uh, so I, I know there's a lot of second-year players that have a lot to prove, and probably those two guys, Ed Ingram, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth could obviously fall into that category too. Uh, Thor, do you have any rookies on your list that have a lot to prove here, or maybe even someone from the UDFA class, someone that hasn't been at a Vikings training camp before? Who else is on your list there? Yeah, I— so going with the rookies, I'm I'm going to bring up Dwayne McBride here. The the running back room sort of up in the air. We've heard some whispers with the Vikings bring in a veteran uh, there later on. If they don't, Dwayne McBride he figures in uh, prominently here. I think he's a guy that could potentially compete for some of those early down carries. We talked about this. The one nitpick on on well the the two nitpicks on Dwayne McBride it's. He doesn't catch the ball because they didn't they didn't use him on third downs whatsoever at UAB. So we don't know what we're going to get from him as far as a receiver. Literally didn't use him there. We don't know what you get from him as a pass blocker because, again, you didn't use him on, on the passing downs, whatnot. And then he fumbled the ball just a little bit too much. Some of that stuff was because he is such a fighter. He fights for every single inch upfield. Sometimes it was because he maybe should have gone down on a play 
but he just kept fighting. There's the the one Forno and I love that play where he was upended, his feet went over his head, and then he somehow landed on his feet, and then he kept fighting upfield. You have plays like that where anyone else would go down. Dwayne McBride keeps fighting, but sometimes the ball would get poked out, what whatnot. Have to work on that stuff a little bit. But in camp, if he flashes, he has a potential. If the Vikings do not bring in, you know, a guy like Kareem Hunt. Or there's been some whispers if Delvin remains out there. Boomer Esiason recently uh, reported that the Vikings, I don't know if this is true or not, but Boomer Esiason, I don't, I don't know how much he trusts Boomer Esiason's reporting, but he reported that the Vikings have the highest, uh, at least money for next year offer out for Delvin Cook on the table right now. And he said that Delvin Cook's camp is, is shopping that around the league using it as leverage, trying to get more money from other teams, whatnot. But if the Vikings don't bring in another veteran running back, uh, McBride would be in line, I think, to challenge uh, Alexander Madison for those early down looks. So, you know, I, I think McBride is, is in a very good situation here, certainly for a seventh-round guy to immediately go in and compete for early down looks. He, he's not going to be a guy that's on the field for passing downs, but when you compare his work early downs to Madison's, to Chandler's, different stuff like that, those guys in college, I think McBride compares very favorably. He's going to have to go in and flash in camp. We've we've talked before about how he was coming off the hammy injury. That affected some of his pre-draft work, whatnot. He's going to have to prove that he's healthy in camp, et cetera. I think he's off that injury now, but he's going to have to prove that whatnot, and he's going to have to flash in camp. But a big training camp coming up for Dwayne McBride. Both to to you know for for that uh, to to prove the viability potentially steal some of that stuff, but also convince the Vikings you don't need to go out and and sign a, a Kareem Hunt. You don't need to go out and, and and have that offer still out there for Delvin Cook if if that indeed is true. I can I can handle workload this coming season. You don't need to try to pass me through waivers and get me on the practice squad. I can handle work immediately. Porno, do you see a situation where Dwayne McBride is the backup running back? I guess where do you kind of see him falling in the pecking order by the end of his first training camp this year? I think he's going to be running back four, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, he was a steal in round seven, and the reason why, as Thor alluded to, is because of that hamstring injury it really prevented him from doing any pre-draft work and not having any kind of measurables a lot of times because of that unknown. People are fearful of the unknown, and it makes sense. That's why he ended up falling, plus the lack of uh, visible, tangible passing utility having that major unknown paired with the lack of testing makes sense why he fell, but the Vikings could easily have had a starter. I just don't think he's quite going to have enough to surpass the guys in front of him right away. Now, the second he gets some touches and really shows some stuff as, as he continues on through practice, I think you could see him up to running back three or maybe even two by the end of the season. I think they're going to slow play him. They have this staff slow played rookies a lot last year with the lone exception Ed Ingram because he just outright won the right guard job and I feel like they're going to do that again not in the same way where people accuse Mike Zimmer of hating rookies they're just going to play things careful and you're going to have to earn every inch all right, Forno, who else do you have on your list here? So Dwayne McBride's been off, Luis Seen, Ed Ingram. Uh, is there anyone else you're looking at uh, that you really want to see make some significant noise at his or at, at this first or second training camp for the Vikings this summer? I'm looking at Andre Carter. And the Vikings gave him $340,000 guaranteed as a UDFA, which is a record for anybody not named Lyle Collins. If you remember, he was a person of interest 
in a the murder. I think it was his ex-girlfriend where they just wanted to talk to him. He wasn't actually a suspect. Everybody backed off. He should have been a top 15 pick. And then by day three, he just said, his agent said, don't draft me. I want to be able to pick my destination because this has been, it was arguably the worst weekend of the young man's life because he, he had nothing to do with it other than knowing the person. So he picks the Dallas Cowboys. He gets a record setting contract. I think it was like four years, like 6 million or something like that. A lot of that was guaranteed. So outside of that rare exception, Carter had the most UDFA guaranteed money ever. And it makes some sense. He comes from army where you have two schools of thought. As far as training, you have football training, which is about explosiveness. It's about strength. It's about power. And then you have cadet training, which is about endurance, being able to run long distances. They counteract each other. So when you get onto the football field as a the defensive lineman, as an edge rusher, it's going to be hard to physically set the edge with strength because you have to do so much of this elongated running and go for endurance because as a cadet, it's so incredibly different from what you're doing on the field. Now that he's in the NFL, they don't have to worry about him as a cadet as long as he is in the NFL because of how the rules are with that transition from going from a four-year military institution where you do have to serve as a cadet once you're done. And he doesn't have to worry about that until he's done with his career. Well, now you can put on some strength. He's got rare tools. Very explosive athlete for somebody his size. He's almost 6'7". He's 265, but he needs to put on real NFL muscle and get a more defined pass rush plan. If he went to any other school, you could argue this guy based on traits could have potentially been a first round pick. PFF was talking about it at the beginning of last year. This guy's got tools, but you saw so much lack of power explosiveness in terms of strength that he's going to struggle early on. If he's figured out the weightlifting regimen, so he can gain some strength early on, maybe put on like 10 pounds of pure muscle. He could have more success right away. Cause he's got some wild bend for somebody, his size that could really help him. And if he shows any kind of growth from his time at army, that's going to give you a lot of hope that he can be a really talented player down the line. Now, if he just gets completely washed out every single time and pass rush reps, then maybe hey, you, you try and stash him on the practice squad. Maybe you waste a uh, few hundred thousand salary cap space. Like, that's a risk you have to take with a guy who has these type of traits. But if he shows anything, this could be an absolute steal. But he's still a UDFA, so it's a long shot. So you have to still understand what those expectations are. But there's something to work with. And he could be really, really good down the line if things work out well. Yeah, both him and Pace have just very interesting upside here where they, they're bringing in, they, again, could really make their mark and potentially steal a roster spot here, and that's good things for the Vikings going forward. I love both those guys uh, on the defensive line. I think you just need so many as many monsters basically rushing the passer as, as he can today's NFL. So if one of those guys even pans out great, if both of them pan out even better. Uh, Thor, how about you? You have another name on this list we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, I, I, another guy who fell down in the draft because of inconsistencies in college and because he missed his pre-draft process because of injuries, and we don't know what we're going to get. He's a mystery box right now who's frustrated us a little bit to this point. You guys know where I'm going. Andrew Booth Jr. What are we going to get from Andrew Booth Jr.? Boy, would it be a coup if Andrew Booth Jr. showed up and was a viable NFL starter, maybe even a, a standout NFL starter going forward. But we just don't know what we're going to get from him. Um, you know, like he showed the flashes at Clemson, 
the consistency wasn't there, right? But like we saw the high end uh, flashes from him. Certainly, the phys- physical package is elite. Uh, last year, when he was on the field, was not viable. Are are those flashes ever going to coalesce into the consistency and into a you know a standout NFL cornerback? That we don't know yet, and, and he's going to have to be able to stay on the field consistently as as well and, and shake that that injury bug. But that last year at Clemson, he did start to become a little bit more consistent. But, yeah, we, we just haven't seen it yet. But the, the athletic package is there. The explosion is there. But the consistency just has not been yet. We need to see that at training camp. Boy, is the opportunity there. The Vikings arguably should have done more in free agency to address that cornerback room. They you know, Obviously, they, they got Murphy. He's going to be playing in the inside, though, in the slot. The outside cornerbacks, you could argue, is as bad in the NFL, you know, as you see in the NFL. You have the three young kids that are going to be competing for the two spots. Booth is obviously one of those guys. Anyone that stands out in that group of three is going to win one of these jobs. The opportunity is on the table for him. Just go out there and prove it. But we need to see it now, Andrew Booth. So go out there and show it. Man, it's it's such an interesting bet that they're making here. To your point, Thor, I mean, you could make a case that it might be the worst cornerback room in the NFL just because of the unprovenness. Uh, but, wow, if Andrew Booth, I guess, kind of shines, stays healthy, most importantly, but stays healthy and then shines, I mean, they have a stud cornerback. And it's hard to find those guys. Those guys kind of have a shelf life, too. They kind of hit a wall, and maybe they won't be as elite, but they kind of hit the cliff. And we saw it with Xavier Rhodes pretty dang quick here. In purple, he went for one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for playing for a different team and by a, by a couple seasons. So if they get something with Andrew Booth, that's great. And hopefully with the basically surplus they have, can one of them at least turn into a very viable NFL cornerback? But it's a risky bet, dude, especially when you have to go against Jared mm-hmm. Goff twice a year. Luckily, you know, I think Jordan Love, Justin Fields, we'll see a little bit. But top-end quarterbacks, they get the Vikings at the face. Joe Burrow, they have to face Justin Herbert. They have to face Patrick Mahomes. They have to face Jalen Hurts. You can make a case those are four of the best four, uh, four of the best five quarterbacks, essentially, in the NFL. Now, there are some softies in the schedule. You get Baker Mayfield to start. That's awesome. And the division's a little weaker. Uh, but you could get picked apart really easily, and it does kind of, uh, does kind of scare me. Uh, Forno, how about you? Do you think Andrew Booth, is this the year he does stay healthy, and do you think he has a good chance of, uh, of being a starting uh, caliber cornerback for the Vikings in 2023. Yes. If he would have been healthy and didn't have that sports hernia injury in college and, and something to remember, he played with that injury all three years at Clemson. He got it fixed dr- before the draft process and he wasn't able to test. And I think that's why that uncertainty paired with the patella injury that he had in high school really sent him to the second round. He should have been a top 15 pick based on talent. One of the interesting things about him when I watch his tape, his ability to click and close. And what that means is when you're, when you're covering a guy and he snaps off a route and a hitch, your ability to see it, put your foot in the ground and explode forward is go is that's what the click and close is. He is so good at it and being able to attack the football in midair it's something that's going to translate incredibly well in this man coverage scheme, because when they're running a lot of those zero blitzes, it's going to be off man. So you're going to play five yards off the line of scrimmage. If he sees what's going on in front of him and he can attack, that's when you're going to get him at his best. I didn't think he was a phenomenal fit for uh, the Vic Fangio stuff, especially with the way Ed Donatel ran it. But I love the fit with what Brian Flores has. And 
he's able to work with guys who are big. He's able to work with guys who are slight and small. And Booth has good size for a guy who's 5'11". He's over 200 pounds. He's going to thrive as long as he stays healthy with Brian Flores. And I'm really excited for that potential. Yeah, I, I think if he stays healthy, they're in a good spot. Uh, if these injuries keep piling up, then it's going to be uh, a potentially rough sailing for them. And yeah, they just have so many unproven guys. Like Byron Murphy's going to, I think, have a ton of pressure on him just because he's the veteran that they brought in in free agency. And he's essentially being asked to be the number one guy. And can Byron Murphy even be a number one cornerback? I mean, Thor, do you think Byron Murphy Jr. has the capabilities to even be the best cornerback on the Vikings roster? I know by default he is right now, but do you think he's ready to be basically a cornerback one for the Vikings immediately? Uh, by default, I think was the correct way to say it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think he's a solid slot cornerback in the NFL. You know, I you know, I, I think in, in terms of that, the idea there is, is sound, but like, the outside cornerbacks still badly need addressing. And right now it's sort of a hope and a prayer, right? Like you're just crossing your fingers that, you know, for instance, Makai Blackman, you got to give him credit. He was one of the best outside cornerbacks in the NCAA last year. And so like, it's a hope and a prayer that that, that just immediately translates into the NFL, for instance, or that a Caleb Evans, you know, we've heard some really good things about him, you know, last year, you saw a little bit, but like, you know, certainly he wasn't one of the, the better ones in the NFL last year. But like, you know, between him and, and, and the flashes you see in a booth, can one of those guys, you know, be a viable starting cornerback? It's a hope and a prayer, right? You're, you're crossing your fingers. And if any of those guys get injured now, now you're really in trouble. I we've talked about this before in the offseason, but you would have preferred that they sign, you know, at least one additional outside veteran cornerback. But of course, you have to give the caveat to Quasi that they just didn't, they were cap, uh, you know, cap poor the entire offseason. Mm-hmm. You only had so much money that you could give to these other positions and they put the draft equity into the outside corners. They're going to roll forward with, with the ones that they got and you're going to hope for the best. In all fairness, they did sign Joan Williams. That's I mean, true. It was a one he year hasn't been great season. though. No, and yeah. missing last year with a shoulder injury doesn't help, but 6'3", 215, and has played four years in this style of defense. I It feels like a Jonathan Buller type signing where he's there to help teach the young guys, and he could be a stalwart player at the position. Yeah. Love it. Uh, fellas, any other last guys that come out uh, to mind here before we get in some feedback questions that I have for you? Uh, I would toss out Jalen Naylor. Um, he, he's interesting to me with the, the wide receiver depth being what it is. Um, he flashed a little bit last year. Right. And as far as just the pure deep threat, he, he's sort of one of those one trick pony guys who has kind of a neat little trick. He's shown that he can get behind the defense. I, I sort of liked him coming out and I, I would like to see some further progress from him. Um, and, and so he's a guy that I could see flashing in training camp. I'm going to be keeping my eye on him. You had mentioned Ivan Pace before. I, I can't wait to see Ivan Pace in training camp because he plays like his hair is on fire. So he would be another guy that I toss out. I'm going to be keeping my eye on. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. All right, boys. Love it. Those are some great lists, uh, great names here. We wrote down basically Lewis Seen, Ed Ingram, Dwayne McBride, Andre Carter, Ivan Pace, Andrew Booth, Jalen Naylor, 
A lot of good guys. A lot of field glass I think Judd Zolgad will have on. And I know you guys are working to get out there as well to kind of add a nice little element to this show too. So Blackie's training camp, it's almost here. Uh, we're really excited to uh, cover that as well. Uh, hey, let's get in some feedback here. And if you want anything answered, uh, hit us up again in the YouTube comment section right here on Purple Daily or hit us up on the Score North app. Uh, I want to hit you guys with this one that we got from John Anderson. We, this is one quarterback we have not talked about on the college football scene. I double-checked. Uh, John says, hi, Declan. When you're talking college football with Tyler and Thor, can you ask them about what they think about Tennessee Vols quarterback Joe Milton? Would he be a candidate oh for the Vikings as a replacement if Jaron Hall doesn't work out? So he's he's setting the bar pretty low there. He's saying, uh, Forno, it's, he's, is he a QB2 option? Uh, how do you view Joe Milton at LSU? Or Tennessee, excuse me, Tennessee. So Joe Milton is fascinating. At his best, he's elite. And you really can't argue that if you remember the uh, game that's kickoff 2020 against Minnesota, he basically uh, took him behind the woodshed and called them old yeller. He, he destroyed them. But the problem was within three games after that, he was benched and he transferred to Tennessee, won the job over Hendon Hooker and then played so poorly. They benched him and Hooker got the job. Then he comes in last game of the year, orange bowl against uh, Clemson torches, the Clemson defense. The guy can throw the ball. 80 yards, basically on a standstill. He's got incredible ability, but I can't trust him to hit a seven yard hitch. And that's the problem. He is not consistent. He's not able to do some of the simple quarterback things, despite having this all world talent. I'm intrigued to see what he can do. But the problem is he's playing with for Josh Heupel. Heupel is going to make him look good and put him in positions to succeed, but you're not going to be able to get a true NFL read off of him because of what that offense is. It is a college offense designed to put the quarterback in advantageous positions with one simple read and be able to score a lot of points. And that's his job in college football, score points and win games. It's not necessarily to develop these guys to be elite processors and quarterbacks immediately in the NFL. I don't think Joe Milton is going to be any good in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's necessarily going to be worth a draft pick. I think this year is going to bear that out based on that and all the other evidence that we have. I didn't think Hendon Hooker was a very good prospect coming out. Dude couldn't process to save his life at Virginia Tech, and he still wasn't great once he got to Tennessee. I don't think you're going to see a massive improvement from a 24-year-old Joe Milton. I'm out unless he shows me some form of real consistency this year. I just... I think he's a ball of clay you're never going to be able to mold. Or are you uh, that down as Joel, on Joe Milton as as Tyler is there? Yeah, I, I tweeted uh, last month, I tweeted, uh, Josh Heupel is going to trick an NFL organization to, into overdrafting <laughs> Joe Milton by four rounds after he throws for 4,000 yards to his first read this fall. Mm-hmm. That, that's my take. Um, I can tell you um, I got I, I got some Blesto uh, grades sent to me recently. Uh, the NFL right now has... Joe Milton is the fifth uh, senior quarterback on their on their their list. They have him with a fifth round grade heading into the um, the the season, which might seem a little bit low. But there's only four guys ahead of him, um, and I can tell you he's going to be rising as the season goes along because that system is going to make him look amazing because it's what mm-hmm. Forno's talking about. Joe Milton's tools are amazing. Um, you know, and that's that's what you know. That's what you're sort of talking about. And Josh Heupel's system, it's going to minimize the rest of it because, he, 
like the the thing that that Milton is not good at, it's reading the field. That's where he yeah. gets into trouble going across the progressions and then making some of these decisions where he throws it into a linebacker's chest plate at 800 miles an hour or whatever. But in hypo system, invariably, as we talked about with Hendon Hooker, the entire process, first of all, you don't, it's not just that it's one read. It's that you don't even have to go to the other side of the field. You, you never turn, you, you like you watch it with Hendon Hooker's uh, film or whatever you literally set your body to the side of the field that you're going to. You've like literally set your 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 mm-hmm. body to that side. And then you never go to the other side. Like your platform just is that side. It's not just that you you don't turn your head that way. It's just your body is is set that way. So Milton is only going to be going to the to the one side of the field and then you know he's not going to have to go to the other side. Just going to be going to that first read over and over again. It's going to make him look very good. They also have at least four NFL wide receivers on that team. They they did lose two NFL wide receivers over the off season, but they still have four of them in part because they brought in a couple from the portal and they, 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 they had good ones coming back. Joe Milton might have the strongest arm uh, in terms of throwing a football on planet earth right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like stronger than Josh Allen, even yeah. like he has yeah. a ridiculous arm. Um, like there's some film of him throwing like 80 yards in the air, just, just, just stupid arm strength. And he's an underrated athlete. Cause like, you might just think like, cause he's a big kid. Um, six, he's five, like five, two forty. Yeah. Like the, his most recent thing that I'm seeing on this list that he weighed in, it was two thirty six. But I, I think, yeah, he, he played some games at over two forty last year, but he does standing back flips sometimes like in the pregame warmups and stuff. So he's a good athlete, and then you see him air the ball out and stuff like that. But again, like when you go to the NFL, you have to go through the progressions and stuff like that and and run an NFL-type offense. Mm -hmm. He's going to be flattered by the system he's playing in. I expect him to go off this coming season because of that system he's playing in. And I think by the time he goes to his pro day workout and stuff like that, coming off this awesome season, Tennessee's going to go like 10-2. and People are going to be going nuts. He might even be in New York for the Heisman ceremony when he throws for 4,000 yards. And then he might be a second round pick. He might even be, uh, you know, a late first round pick after that because people are going to be going ape crap, you know, once he he's throwing 80 yards in his pro day workout and stuff like that. But um, for me, he's he's more like a fifth or a sixth round pick. I, I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pull unless it got way, way back there in the draft. And then he's just a quote unquote developmental guy. But I'm with Forno two of the best coaches that we have in college football in Jim Harbaugh and Josh Heupel have already gone with other guys. Uh, Harbaugh went with Cade McNamara over him. And then like Forno was mentioning, Heupel already went with Hendon Hooker over him. Finally, Milton's going to get a shot in his sixth season now to be the starter, but I I don't really care about that. Um, He's going to throw for over 4,000 yards and he's got the tools, but as far as an NFL projection, um, unless it's really, really late in the draft, I'm, I'm out on him. Two things to remember with everything that Thor said. One of those Blesto grades, senior quarterbacks only. So yep. guys like Quinn Ewers, Drake May, Caleb Williams, All out. exempt. They're not seniors. They are they are juniors. And second, like Joe Milton, he won both the Michigan and Tennessee jobs and got replaced with four quarterbacks. Yeah, like it's it's astounding. Plus they have uh, Nico, I I, I am Alvia, uh, yeah. five star recruit. Uh, out of California, that dude can sling it, but he he's like as skinny as you, Declan. And that's <laughs> I think he needs at least a year to really beef up. But 
like it wouldn't shock me if Joe Milton after like three or four games, he's just stinking everything up and they put Nico in there. I I would consider Milton as a like uh, a quarterback, and then if he fails, maybe you move him to tight end because there's there's athletic upside there. And I'm not somebody who wants to just move uh, players to other positions, but there's he needs to show any form of consistency because he never has. That's a big concern. All right, Thor, you got your Iowa Hawkeye hat on, and I got a great one here from Connor. You want to know? This is for my Hawkeye Thor. Once our secondary inevitably fails. What are your thoughts on drafting Cooper DeGene from Iowa? This kid is an absolute stud and a playmaker this defense needs. Yeah, he, he sure is. Um, yeah, and a very good player. He's actually on the uh if I can if I can pull it out here, he's on he's there on the is. front of my my steel. Yeah, um and and another uh uh defensive back just like uh Riley Moss, who uh Iowa is turning out the uh the the if I'm allowed to say the the white defensive backs there, um, and and a very good playmaker. Yeah, I mean like he's a stud, just like Riley Moss was. Um, that sort of upends your uh, expectations of of the position in, in that way. He made a ton of plays there. The the um, uh, I, I was talking about this with actually w- w- with an agent recently about th- this had to go with with Jack Campbell, but it, it also went with Moss recently with OJ Mudia before that. Mm-hmm. And with some of their safeties, with any of their back end guys, the the one thing um, that that those guys face is when they go into the NFL is they you know regardless is they all play in a zone scheme, and so they all get nicked for their athleticism because you don't get to see them run in the straight line. And so I I think that a lot of those Iowa back end defenders they end up getting nicked more than they should, and they end up getting drafted a little bit later for reasons sort of outside their control, but um, he is a really, really good player and he's going to have an awesome season. And this year, Iowa lost those, those couple of defenders, you know, Jack Campbell being one of them. Um, and, and like, uh, DeGene's going to be, you know, the leaders of, of the secondary now, uh, Womp, Xavier Wamka, uh, a five-star safety. Uh, he, he's going to be joining it now, but uh, DeGene is, is the leader of that secondary now, and he's going to make a ton of plays this season. Um, but yeah, he, he's a prime NFL draft prospect for sure. Nice. Uh, Thor or uh, Tyler, excuse me. Any last thoughts here on purple daily on draft before we, uh, before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, if you have an opportunity to, well, we are less than six weeks away from the kickoff of college football. If you, if you aren't getting excited for Notre Dame and Navy kicking <laughs> off in Ireland, I, I Hell yeah. like, yeah, you need to check yourself, but uh, I'll continue to beat the drum. If you get an opportunity Watch Western Kentucky quarterback Austin Reed. That 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 guy is my dude. I think that he has a shot to rise up and maybe be a fringe first rounder. He's probably going to be like a day two guy when it's all said and done. I love the ability he has. He he reminds me like obviously same system, but he's Bailey Zappy with a bigger arm and he's able to make a lot more tight window throws. He also made some mistakes in the transition from D two, not FCS D two to the D one level. I'm a very, very excited to see what he has this year. And also one last note on Cooper to I really wish that Deion Sanders was still doing the uh, NFL combine for the NFL network. And, and he can look <laughs> the fact that he's a white cornerback. Like he yeah. did with <laughs> yeah, Penn State. that's something that I wish we still had, but alas, we get him at Colorado, which is honestly more fun. Absolutely. It is. 
All right, boys, that's going to do it for us on Purple Daily on Draft. Uh, hit that subscribe button for Daily Vikings Entertainment. And again, uh, if you want anything answered, hit us up uh, on the YouTube comment section below. You can hit us up on the Score North app. We're back every Monday right around 3 o'clock on the Purple Daily YouTube feed, on the podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, the Score North app. We'll be back at you next Monday.